Welcome to the Caliber Podcast, brought to you by the Watchers of Switzerland Group. In our latest episode, myself, Faisal Terry, the international senior watch buyer, and Mark Tolson, global head of watch buying for the Watchers of Switzerland Group, discuss some of the most famous watches featured in iconic movies. Hello, Mark. Hello. Today we've got quite a fun topic to talk about, and I'm quite excited about the theme that we, we, we get to talk about today. Um, around our wonderful world of, of horology retail, there's a lot of marketing involved, and we constantly see, and particularly more so in recent years, marketing, partnerships, product placement, and famous people who are wearing, endorsing, and partnering with brands. Today I'd quite like to talk about some of the watches that are featured on the silver screen. Question the credibility and how it adds either to the watch itself or to the film. I know we're a watch company and not a film company, but it's. It, it, I think it's important if there is the wrong association. It stands out more alarmingly than if it's the right association. So key films, the credibility and how important it is for the watch industry and how does it affect the wider watch brands? Does it have a negative or positive effect on a brand if something's going really well and is there's a lot of noise and a lot of press around it? Does it have a halo effect? So before we start talking about the selection of watches that you've, you've identified, why is it you think watch brands request to put watches in films or vice versa? Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a, it's a, it's a fair question. I think um, watches can add to the character of the of, of the uh, of, of the actor or the actress in, involved in the film on a personal level or a non-acting level. People wear watches because it says something about them. Particularly men who tend not to wear jewellery. A watch is a kind of an expression of how they see themselves, how they'd like to be perceived. So. Lots of men wear chronographs and diving watches, but never really time anything uh, and never really go diving. It's just, it looks good, it looks cool, it makes them feel happy. And, and I guess uh, the extension of that is is what you see in films, actors wearing certain watches, it kind of reinforces the whole idea of what that watch is about and what that character is about. You know, it's a a suave evening dress watch for a suave suave sort of character or a you know, a great big bulky sports watch for a for an Arnold Schwarzenegger type character. So um, they are, they have their role to play, I suppose, in in defining the character. And I suppose it's it's whether actually whether the watch defines the character or the character of, of the actor defines the watch. What he should be, he or she yeah. should be wearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so, so you you're not going to have would, Rambo wearing yeah. a Jaeger Lecoultre Master Ultra thin. Exactly, exactly that. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's the right tool for the right job, I guess, uh, which I suppose is is why it's important. And I guess brands play on that. I mean, everything is potentially uh, an advertising opportunity. So, um, you know, I think in one of the James Bond films, I think Heineken paid $45 million to have Heineken in, in one of the James Bond, Daniel Craig films. So they see some value in that. Um, it is it is a form of advertising. That's why it's important. In, in the same way, you have watch brands endorsing sports stars, you know, and sometimes it's sometimes it's a good mix, or sometimes perhaps if the uh, if the sports star goes a little bit off the rails, it can be it can be a bad bet. But I, I think at least with a film, it's a controlled thing, and people perhaps associate the watch with the character maybe less so than with the actor. I'm guessing that the Heineken wasn't shaken or stirred because that probably exactly wouldn't work. Exactly, would have got that. his dinner suit very very messy. Yeah. So we think that the products enhance the realism of the character or the theme um, and support the message from yeah. the filmmaker. I, I would, I would if say so. If they get it right. 
If they get it right. If they get it right. I remember an episode of, well, it was EastEnders um, years ago, and one of the market stall chaps was wearing... I don't watch EastEnders, by the way, just remember it, and for some reason it jumped out. He was wearing a, a watch that was in excess of £20,000. So I wasn't really sure whether he'd done really well that day on the market stall. It had been a great weekend. But for con- continuity, it just didn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, I know it's more films we're talking about today, but I think goes back to your point in that um, it's got to be appropriate and, and, yeah. and, and, and relevant. And I think earlier we were talking about, was it Ben-Hur? Yes. Gladiator? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, yeah there's allegedly somebody wearing a wristwatch in, uh, in, in, the, in the chariot scene in, in Ben-Hur. Um, obviously, it was accidental because... Watches weren't invented then. Um, but yeah, it's, it's um, you know, bad continuity or something. Absolutely. Do you think it adds credibility to the film? Or actually, from our standpoint, does it add credibility to the product if it's the right film? I think particularly with, with, with action films, sometimes a watch is, is a crucial part about it. If, you've got to, if, if things are being timed or you know, you've only got... You're on a countdown because you've got... X number of minutes or something to do something, a watch can add, add something to the film. So, yeah, I think I think the watch can be integral. And can you see the effect of the sales in the watch or across the wider brand if it's a successful placement? Well, I, I mean, the, the, the most obvious example is Amiga with the Bond franchise, really. So starting with Pierce Brosnan, Amiga have had, had the watch in the, in the Bond films for about 25 years now. And... We see a huge uplift in Amiga sales, generally, when the Bond film comes out, and specifically on the watches that they associate with the James Bond character. He's either wearing a specific watch, which uh, is then available for sale in limited quantities, or they bring out other special editions around, around the James Bond franchise. So Amiga certainly believe it's important, and our customers believe it's important because they buy those sort of watches in huge numbers. So there's a collectability aspect of it. People love Bond and his association with, with Amiga is, uh, well, they're intertwined, really. So the embedded marketing um, reference to specific brands or products um, are integral to some of the, some of the storylines. Yeah. So again, it's, I suppose, Aston Martin. It, does, it mm-hmm. does for Aston Martin for Bond what Amiga does for Bond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So the products actually are more consistent than the actor themselves. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Daniel Craig, um, this is Piers love, Brosnan, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, but still an Amiga. Still an Amiga, yeah. 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 But we'll, well, we'll come on to that later. OK, um, thank you. Why don't you start with your first selection? One of the brands we, we recently introduced into, a, into our Goldsmiths chain was Prospects. Uh, it's Prospects is a collection made by Seiko. I mean, they have some they have some amazing watches in the Prospects collection, and, and many of them hark back to, um, well, some great films. So, for example... In Apocalypse Now that came out in 1979, Captain Willard was wearing a, a Seiko 6105, which was a diver's watch. I mean, it's got a very distinct look. It's got the, the crown, you know, the winding button at sort of four o'clock that gives it a, quite, a, quite a distinct look. And Seiko continue to make models that look like that these days. And they sell incredibly well. You know, they're, they're, they're nicknamed the turtle because of the shape in some cases. And, and you can buy a Seiko that looks like Captain Willard's watch from 1979 for, for £379 now. And we sell, we sell an awful lot of those. And I mean, it was, I think it was on, on TV a couple of weeks back, uh, there was, was Commando from 1985, Arnold Schwarzenegger film. He was wearing a Seiko. He was wearing um, an H558, which the sort of 80s, the late 70s, early 80s um, 
when quartz watches were a, a really significant thing, a really huge impact on the market, and there are lots of developments going on with, with digital watches as well as quartz analogue watches. You, you have this H558 worn by Arnie um, in commando, and it, it's, it's an analogue digital watch combined. It's got a very distinctive look. I think it was the first hybrid alarm chronograph watch and it was, it was a big a big watch, obviously it looked quite small on him, uh, but I think it was a 45 mil. And so his character Dutch wore this watch in Predator, and it's now in the prospects range. And when we can get them, they sell out instantly. So there's a lot of people who obviously either like that look of watch or remember the films Predator and, and Commando, and, and they really, really they really love that watch. And it's, I don't know, £420, and we sell loads of them. It's It's a... It's a great looking thing, a really great looking watch. So the the new model is slightly bigger case at 48 millimeters mm-hmm. from the watch that was yeah. original, and that's also got a nickname. Well, um, because they're quite large, I think they, they nickname them the tuner because it's like a tuner can. It's almost it's almost as big as a tuner can. Okay. I think any watch that gets a name has got credibility. That's what's going to be my next question yeah. because you referenced the turtle um, for Martin Sheen's character. If it's got a nickname, it's, it's you're already onto a winner. Yeah, like like the Hulk with uh, with with the green uh, green Rolex Submariner, etc. Yeah, yeah, anything with a name. And do you think the film therefore makes the watch? And it's quite a big question, and perhaps I should finish with that. But if I, I'm pretty sure when there's somebody when they when they went into production or there was the and they were looking at what the characterisation would be, what that person would look like, what they would wear. Someone specifically chosen that watch, but not necessarily knowing it was going to have such an impact on that watch later in the industry, or particularly for the industry. So do you think the success of the film then has a direct correlation with, or just some, you could almost plan for something to be an icon and it's just never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Why, do, why were these two particularly watches so successful or have been and now have their own nicknames? I, I, that probably... Um I suppose in in 1985, um, that watch was quite cutting edge, and I, I guess probably they wanted to present Arnold Schwarzenegger as uh, as well as shooting people to be sort of quite a cutting edge character, a sort of larger than life character, and it was a it was a larger than life watch at the time. The people who are buying it now, they may be not all 50 year old and remember the film. Some people may just think it's a cool looking watch. So I, I, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't know how many people remember the film and now now want to buy the watch i guess there must be a large element of that though because we all talk about it in the industry anyway yeah. and it's one of the reference points that seiko make when they when they introduce these sort of things oh this is a watch that was similar to the watch that was worn by arnie in in, in the films which is probably why they the brands potentially pay so much because mm-hmm. the longer term um, effect it will have either on the sale of that particular watch or the awareness of the brand so it's that's probably why the product placement is so important for these brands because they get it right they really get it right it, it's a long game though to think that you know 35 years later or whatever it is that um think oh we can we've got some mileage in that <laughs> a nickname will be born exactly. and who knows it knew it was called the turtle <laughs> Such exactly. so cool yeah. um moving on from seiko i know you were keen to talk about a jeje le yeah, I mean, I think I think there's maybe quite a lot of thought went into this. I, I don't know, but I'd, I'd like to imagine quite a lot of thought went into this. So, Batman Begins, 2005, Bruce Wayne, who obviously has the Bruce Wayne side to his character, and then also the Batman side to his character. So there's a kind of a duality there. In that film, he was wearing um, a Jaeger Lecoult Reverso, which, for those of you who don't know, is, is a rectangular watch that was uh, dev- uh, designed in 1931, 
originally for polo players, and, and the, the actual dial flips over, so you've got a solid case back showing if you want to protect the watch. So you've kind of got a front and a back, a light side and a dark side. And this Reverso Grand Tie w- was in the film as a watch worn by, by Bruce Wayne. And I think in, um, in, in one or two of the later films, they had a, he had a bat engraved on the actual back of the watch, on the back of the case back. So I, I, there's, there's a lot of thought that went into that. And I, I, and I can say, I think it sort of re- reflects the duality of the character there. Yeah, they, they could have been a couple of characters that they could have um, used that watch for, but I suppose the most positive one would have been Bruce Wayne himself. And um, I never, I've never associated that actually. And it works really well with him as a businessman, yeah, understated, yeah. because he was very much a philanthropist and he was never a big character that was showy. So he's kind of quite a lot of other options. And oh, that would be such a good job. I now, yeah. want, I now, I now want to be a researcher for wardrobe for for, for characters. We can make that happen. <laughs> okay, I'm just. Should we just stop here? I'm going to carry on. Right, that's it. I think. Um, I think with, with. I mean, one of the other so ones. I mean, just just to. Uh, you know, that was kind of DC. Uh, Marvel got involved with watches. They had Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange in in 2016. He was wearing a Jaeger Occult uh, ultra thin perpetual calendar. I think there's a scene in the film where he has his um, his winding box with loads of watches in it and. Uh, he selects that particular watch for a night out, so you, you do have a, a, a perpetual calendar for uh, for Doctor Strange. He can go backwards and forwards in time, can't he? He can do all that sort of thing. So, in a way, uh, a perpetual Again, calendar is thought, quite opposite. Yeah, they'd put some thought into the the functionality of the mm-hmm. watch and the characteristics of, of the character. So, a very famous watch for, for Tag Heuer... What, what have you identified here for us? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a really obvious one. Um, so 1971, the, Le Mans, the film Le Mans with Steve McQueen in it. Um, there's the iconic picture uh, of him in his kind of white leathers with the Gulf logo on, and he's wearing a, a Monaco with a blue dial. And um, that's still in the collection today. Comes in, I think, just under five under five thousand pounds. And the interesting thing last year was the fiftieth anniversary of the of the world's first um, automatic chronograph, which was the Monaco, the Hoya Monaco. So again, a sort of neat little synergy there. But that was a, that was a great watch. Um, still in the collection, it's still iconic, and they still use Steve McQueen in in the advertising for that piece. Yeah, that one feels like it's got a lot of. Uh, well, they, they've definitely. Um clung on to, enjoyed and embraced that legacy, haven't mm-hmm. they? It's not it, it's it's very much part of the brand's yeah. DNA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I believe that watch wasn't supposed to be the watch he wore. There is a quite a really interesting story around this this model and the film. Yeah, well I was lucky enough to do a, to do a podcast with Jack Hoyer um a couple of years back and, and he said that they um they kind of more or less had to smuggle the watches out of uh, out of Switzerland across the border into France to Le Mans to get the watch on his wrist. But if you uh, listen back to the podcast where, with, with me and Jack Hoyer, it's quite an interesting story, though. Mm-hmm. Panerai, uh, we've just talked about Tag and that the icon of the Monaco. I think Panerai has a very specific, identifiable look to it. So, which film? Well, there are, there are quite a few. I mean, they're big watches, and there are some big characters that have that have been wearing those watches. Um, I mean. Panerai used to kind of just supply the Italian Navy, um, and then they started uh, production um, for for the public. Um, I think in about 1993, in a, in, in a very very small way. And um, legend has it that uh, Sylvester Stallone was in Italy in 1995 shooting shooting the film Daylight, 
uh, went into a jeweller's and saw this big Luminor, Panerai Luminor watch, and he, and he bought it and wore it in the film. And that obviously gave Panerai a huge boost. I think he bought, I think he bought Panerais for some members of the cast and some of his friends like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, and in fact, some of the... Um, he had such an association with Panerai um, way back then that some of the watchers had the name Daylight written on them after the film. And there was also a range called Slytech, you know, Sly being Sylvester Stallone's nickname, Slytech Panerai watchers, which are, which are hugely sought after. Panerai features in films, you know, in some more Stallone films like The Expendables. I think um, he's wearing a, a regatta, a DLC-coated regatta in, in the first Expendables films. And, yeah, I mean, big watchers, big characters. I think there's a Bronzo, which we can never really get the bronze watch, but there's a Bronzo um, Pam 382 in the Expendables 2. So, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a hugely iconic watch, and these are, these are all big guys wearing those watches in, in action films. Yeah, they're not quite dainty timepieces, are they? That you don't... They're not by any stretch of the imagination, no. <laughs> no. It seems like they've got those associations tied mm-hmm. up really well. Um, we haven't covered off a, a very important brand for us. You've referenced um, a Rolex. Talk to me about the Rolex. I, I think ro- Rolex appear in, um, in lots of films. One of the perhaps more challenging is American Psycho. So you have Christian Bale, obviously... Uh, Used to wear a reverso in, um, in in the Batman films, uh, but in, um, in in American Psycho in 2000, as a as a Patrick Bateman character, he's wearing a 36 mil Datejust, and um, obviously he's an American Psycho. And, and I believe um, I, I believe that uh, Rolex were okay with him wearing the watch as long as he wasn't seen murdering anybody whilst he was wearing the watch. So in the normal <laughs> scenes like the infamous credit card scene or whatever it is he's he's kind of uh, he's kind of allowed to wear his watch but when he's when he's murdering people it's probably not such a not not the sort of image that we're going for it's so interesting how 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 much influence the brands have because I, some brands won't necessarily want the, the placement or the association interestingly the watch you've just referenced for uh, american psycho is the same watch that i wear but um moving on from that quite quickly and <laughs> Um, but it's really interesting that the brand can say, look, they've got a final say on what elements of the film it can or cannot feature in. Yeah. Oh, well, I notice you've taken your watch off as well, so I'm quite worried about what you're going <laughs> to do next. Uh, there we go. Uh, I mean, I mean, another not so nice, not not so nice character was uh, was the Alec, Bal- Alec Baldwin character Blake in uh, in Glen Gary Glen Ross. He, he wears um, he wears a day date. Um, and he actually references the watch in the film. I think, he, I think he says to one of the people who work for him, you see this watch? That watch costs more than your car. I made $970,000 last year. How much do you make? You see, pal, that's who I am, and you're nothing. So he's not a nice character, uh, but he's wearing a fantastic watch. Um, and actually, the date, just even second-hand, is probably most worth more than a lot of people's cars. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But it is an icon, that watch. Oh, I, I think... For me, I associate that with films like The Sopranos or gangster movies, mm-hmm. um, um, real uh, sort of American-Italian. That's, it's the, the bracelet and uh, yeah. yellow gold in particular. So, mm-hmm. there's, yeah, there's a real association. You can see that watch from a thousand paces. The brand a few years ago did an incredible campaign um, called Icons and there was a lot of film references um, where and it wasn't necessarily product placement they, it was where the actor had chosen had to, to wear their yeah. own watch I mean I'm, I'm a fan of the brand you know that but um, really interesting how they've managed it have you got any more quotes because I'm quite enjoying that I think we no, I that, think that's looking the, back that's the, only, that's the only one I had actually. oh I think looking back you should have had a quote from every watch you've referenced with the accent of the actor as well that would be pushing <laughs> I mean your favourite is, is the Jaws one 
Um, yeah, I was gonna. I was actually gonna reference when because we're gonna go on to quite a big, um, a big, a, a big franchise, which is um, on on the sort of forefront for everybody at the moment. And I was gonna say. We are going to need a bigger boat, but um, but thank you very much. That's a nice little segue into that thought. Well, the watch was an all-star Nautiscaf two, which um, featured in the in the Jaws movie. Which all-star? I think they went they ceased production years back, but I think somebody is resurrecting that brand. So um, something to get your teeth into. Oh, I didn't know that. And I, yeah, it is. You're right. It's something that I say quite frequently. It just feels like there's always too much to do, or there's always too much. So we just yeah. just always need a bigger boat. We always need a bigger boat. Yeah. Um, so you've gone from one icon from the um, Rolex day date, and we've got another one from Odemar, which is not something you'd see in a huge amount of films, but I know you've referenced this one. No, well, I mean, again, Arnie. Arnie strikes again from Seiko, and he, he does wear Panerai, and um, and um, he, he does wear AP as well, Odemar Piguet. So um, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines from 2003. He's wearing an offshore which spawned a limited edition, uh, the the T3 watch, which I think when it came out in, in 2006, uh, the the watch was around in around that time. It was about thirteen thousand nine hundred pounds. They're now over thirty k. If you can get one, they're sort of highly sought after. And then his other one of his well, he's done loads of films, but End of Days, 1999, he was wearing a Royal Oak in that film, and they're, they're changing hands for around uh, around thirty thousand pounds now as well. So. Yeah, Arnie, Arnie likes his APs as well. Mm. Well, who doesn't, let's be honest. They're, um, they're, they're fantastic watches. But yeah, it's a, like I said, a big watch for a big guy. Mark, what, a lot of the watches that we've spoken about and, and from your selection um, are male characters, strong male characters with male gents' watches. There is a distinct lack of female watches. And is it, because we're talking primarily about a lot of action movies, is it potentially because we talk about franchises and they lend themselves more to a male lead role. We've spoken about James Bond and I'm trying to think about female characters that play those type of roles. Salt, who was played by Angelina Jolie, was originally was written, it was a, a, a male spy again. So what they've done is when they came to production, they put her in it. She was wearing an... She was wearing an Amiga uh, Constellation Chrono Look like a, uh, I think it's got like a carbon effect dial. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a, a gent size watch, it's a, a bigger size, size. A, la- a larger case size watch. Yeah. So even um, when they do put a woman in the role, she's still wearing a man's watch. But then um, I don't think the size of a watch matters that much these days. Uh, it matters to men in that they tend not to wear small watches, but it doesn't matter to women who wear bigger watches. I mean, you get loads of women wearing what would be traditionally seen as a man's watch, as indeed you do. Yeah, that's true. And I suppose if the character, if the character is an aggressor, it's not going to be a small, slimline, elegant dress watch. No, no. So, again, someone's... It's a bold someone, watch for a bold character. Someone's put some thought into that. But equally, we do seem to be missing from this conversation yeah. an, an element of, um, of, of ladies' watches. Um, I think if anybody wants to, to write in or comment or however however they communicate with us, that would be good because, yeah, it, it, is, a miss, it is a missed thing, really, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure we could look at a, a, a million films and we could just almost identify the watch that's being worn but that's not mm-hmm. really the point of it we were talking no. icons mm-hmm. yeah. um, and that's what's notable by absence yeah. Uh, yeah good idea I think it'd be great if anybody does have um, a, a comment to have even if it's just to point out that we're wrong we got it wrong <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely 
So one thing that we haven't touched on, or we touched on very briefly at the beginning, is the big franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 a bond year this year. It is. Um, and that in itself is just it's just a statement that's often banded around the office because it it means so much <laughs> in in so many ways. It means we're going to disappoint clients. It means there's going to be a lot of marketing. It means the brand itself will have a good year because, as you said, it raises it raises the awareness uh-huh. of the of the brand. So start with James Bond generally because it hasn't always been uh, the Amiga that we are we have come to be familiar with. No, I mean that's very true. I think um, I think Ian Fleming um, used to wear um, wear a Rolex Explorer, so he was a bit of a fan of uh, uh, fan of the brand. Um, I mean, in in, um, in I think the first book from Russia with Love. I think the villain in the Donovan Red Grant, he was actually wearing a Gerard Perigo, and the story, the story there is, I think the way, the way in Fleming described the watch, he says that the watch had two windows for the day and month, and also a moon phase, and um, it's almost a little bit prescient because actually Gerard Perigo at the time didn't make a watch like that. Um, they they first produced a watch that actually looked like what Ian Fleming had described in 2012 and they called it the 1966 so it's a uh, so that's a slightly slightly odd odd thing but anyway Grant Red Grant had had a shot at Bond and destroyed his watch and I think um, James Bond eventually managed to uh, to shoot Grant and I think he took his watch so I think maybe in the books at least for a little bit of time um, James Bond wore, wore a Gerard Perigo that didn't actually exist but that's fiction for you then you get you get to the actual films which um, I think I guess more people have seen the films than have read the books, and you, and you have uh, 1962 James Bond wearing a, a Submariner, a 6358, and then and also in, in the 1964 from from Russia with Love. I mean the, the the 6358 again is one of those sort of iconic watches. It's it's an early Submariner. It's got no date, um, which gives it a nice symmetry on the dial, and it also doesn't have the uh, the sort of uh, the crown protectors, the shoulders that sort of. Um, protect the crown on, on modern-day submariners. So it's quite quite a look. Um, and it had also a big crown. It's known as one of the, the, the big crown submariners um, and, a, and, a, and the red triangle on the, on the bezel at 12 o'clock. So, so again, it, it's quite an iconic watch in the film. Um, and it's a diver's watch because I guess James Bond was Commander Bond and he was from the Navy, so you would have a, you would have a diver's watch. So I guess that all kind of makes sense. And so Bond continued to wear a, um, a Submariner. So in 1964's Go- uh, Goldfinger, he's wearing a Submariner. But interestingly, as I always say, the improbably named Pussy Galore, uh, who's a pilot, is wearing a GMT, uh, a Rolex GMT, which would have been relatively new at the time. So it's a Model 6542 with the, with the blue and red Bakelite bezel, sort of an iconic look. And you can still see a watch similar to that in the collection from Rolex today. So yeah, so you you have the uh, the GMT and the um, and, and the Submariner in the same film. It kind of uh, two iconic uh, professional watches from uh, from one of the greatest brands there are, Rolex. Then in Thunderball, he's wearing a, a Submariner again, but he's also this time he's also has a, a Breitling a Breitling Top Time watch, which isn't in the collection today, and it's um, a, a two dial chronograph. With a black dial and two white chronozones at at, uh, at three and nine o'clock, which give it quite a good look. I think Q uh, had started to um, started to mess with his watches, and that particular watch 
had um, allegedly had a Geiger counter function because I think in the film he has to try and find a couple of nuclear bombs and obviously a Geiger counter really helps in that. So the, uh, the, the Breitling top time was allegedly the Geiger counter as well. And one of the things I did find out, which I thought was quite funny, because you couldn't get two characters further apart, apparently Sid James in Carry On Girls also wore a Breitling top time. And I wish I could do the laugh at this point, but I can't. There are some associations, though, with Bond and Sid James. The womanising and the... And the not Sid James, oh, yeah. but they carry on. There are, there, there are synergies. Sorry, looking at me really blankly, but um, yeah, I, I don't know. So. And particularly, it's carry on girls. You know, that could, well, that's, that that's could very, be a... That's very true, yeah. It, it could have been a, a, a working title for any of the Bond names, particularly of the, el- the older films, because they were a little bit more... You know, he was he was a misogynist, wasn't he? He wasn't just the as as his characters developed, he's mm-hmm. much more. He he's whilst he's very charismatic, he's much more PC nowadays. But I believe in the earlier times, James Bond was, you know, was a, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, even in the seventies, I mean, you have Roger Moore in *Live and Let Die* and *The Man with a Golden Gun*. He was he was wearing a Rolex Submariner five five one three. Um, and I think that had the ability to um, emit a magnetic field. I mean, there is a scene there where he uh, uses his watch to um, magnetically unzip a lady's dress uh, without actually touching her. So, um, well, I guess it being Roger Moore, it raised a few eyebrows as uh, that was one of his main acting uh, activities, raising his eyebrows. But, yeah. uh, <laughs> well, they were going case in point, you know, exactly, in terms yeah. of what, he, what, what the character, it doesn't matter which, which, which actor played, um, <laughs> played Bond, but, um, yeah, it was... Uh, that would be another very, very cool job. What can these watches do? What can, we, what, what can they create? Again, is that around the character or, um, or what's the necessity? Or does someone go, what would be a great function of a Bond watch to be able to take a woman's dress off? So how do they write that into the script? Yeah. That, yeah. Okay, along with the research, that's the other job that I want. Yeah, got to get me one of those watches. <laughs> um, but I mean, but I mean again, to, to your point about, um, you know, James Bond is a... He's a spy, and you'd expect him to have all sorts of uh, all sorts of interesting technology. And and um, and sort of by the early seventies, as we all kind of know, quartz watches were making their impact on uh, on, on the world of, on the world of timekeeping and changing things quite a bit. So you can see in I think in Live and Let Die, uh, Roger Moore. I think in, in one scene he's wearing a Pulsar LED watch. You remember those watches? Yeah, you, you pressed a button and the time came on in red, in re, in red digital numerals. I mean, they were really power-sapping things, which I, they didn't last very long, but, you know, they were embracing new technology back in, back in the 70s. And then by 1977, James Bond's wearing a, wearing a Seiko. He's wearing a Seiko digital watch, and at that time, digital watches were, were all the rage. And again, there's a scene where I think M tries to get in touch with James Bond, um, and there's almost like a ticker tape of, um, uh, of a message coming out of the top of this digital watch that tells him to do something. And in 1979, where the Moonraker films, because obviously, you know, the space shuttle was a big deal then, James Bond again is wearing um, a Seiko memory bank watch. And interestingly, well, it's interesting for me because it's kind of, um, I've got sort of um, some, some particular interest in this. My, my stepdad worked for Seiko at the time in the UK, um, and um, they were filming um, some of the Moonraker scenes at, at Pinewood Studios. They were allowed to go down uh, to, 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 the, to the film set, and there's one particular scene in the film where James Bond, and I can't remember who the girl is, um, but the, they've been captured and they've been put in the, um, the bottom of the launch pad um, so when the space shuttle sets off, they're going to get incinerated. And um, 
my, my dad saw the scene being filmed. So James Bond basically has his explosives and he, and he runs um, like a cable from the explosive to his watch and they're going to try and blow up this door so they can get out without being killed by the rockets. Uh, and he has to press a button. The explosion goes and says, bang on time. And that's the, that's the sort of main action that the watch sees in the film. So my dad saw that actually being shot, which is quite cool oh, in a way. that's cool. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, and then 19, 1980s, um, you see analogue and digital combination watches. And again, that's, that's in the James Bond film, For Your Eyes Only. And then I think uh, there's a TV watch in, in Octopussy in 1983. Um, so, yeah, you get, you get James Bond wearing Seiko watches. And then by the time Dim- Timothy Dalton comes along in the living daylights, he's wearing a Tag Heuer with a highly illuminous dial. It was a Tag, tag 1000. Um, and then in 1989's License to Kill, Bond's back wearing a Submariner. Uh, again, a Rolex Submariner. Then there's a bit of a pause in, um, um, in in the franchise, and then back it comes in 1995 with Piers Brosnan in Goldeneye, and he's wearing a Quartz Seamaster, a 2531.80 model, which I remember remember very well. It's Quartz, the Seamaster, and we sold loads of those, and, and Bond, really. That's where the, the Amiga Bond Association started back then. And all through all the films, Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough, Die Another Day... He's uh, the watch, fires lasers, detonates explosions, does all the stuff that you'd expect a, a James Bond watch to do. There was a conversation between Bond and the respective Bond babe. Um, she was asking him about his watch, and he references that he wears an Amiga. It does seem that they've got that partnership tied yeah. up. It yeah. is now exactly who, who and what you associate with James Bond. That um, really is, yeah. 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 I mean, the right association with the right brand is like a... Um, Hand in a, glove. Yeah, I was actually... Perfect <laughs> bedfellow, could it be in a James Bond film? Um, I was going to say, a, well, um, sort of a, a perfectly fitted, tailored suit, which again, Bond mm-hmm. wears. So yeah. they clearly have it well tied up. And 2020 is a Bond year. And as I said, we, that's almost a coined phrase now in the industry, isn't it? Oh. it? It has so many associations. So the first quarter, we are expecting to see the first deliveries. I know in the US, our stores will be expecting them from the first week of March. I think the association with Amiga is terrific. And, and, and on the watch that's coming out for this film, No Time to Die, it's a Diver 300, so it's got that kind of nautical thing. It's a great-looking watch. It's got kind of an antique luminescence on the dial, and it doesn't have a date. It makes it a little bit slimmer. Uh, it's a t- titanium case, and, it's on, and there's a woven titanium bracelet as well, which uh, gives it that kind of military military look. It, it's a really cool-looking watch. It comes on a NATO strap as well. You get the NATO strap. That's 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 true. Yeah, I mean NATO straps are very uh, very in vogue as well. So yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's, it's a great-looking watch. I think it's uh, just over seven thousand pounds, seven thousand three hundred ninety pounds. Um, and it's yeah, it's got all the all the signature Bond stuff. It's, it's got a laser. Cool. No, it doesn't have Is a laser. It, no, okay, no. No, but, I'm not worried about being undressed by it or anything like no. that. No, no, no. no so, so not no. all the signature no. Bond, uh, all no. the signature Amiga. No, but it, it, has, it, has, it has something on the back that references Bond, etc. So it's uh, yeah, from that point of view, it's it's, it's a full-on Bond watch, and um, I think everybody's going to love it. Yeah, it's a it's a good problem for for retailers to have and for the brand to have. The demand is so incredibly high. Mm-hmm. Um, and do you prefer it on the bracelet or the NATO mark? I prefer it on the NATO. The world and his wife seem to prefer it on the on the mesh bracelet, but I prefer the NATO. I think it looks cooler on the NATO strap. Okay. And do you think this watch would be as popular if it wasn't associated with the film? It's a very cool-looking watch in its own right, um, so I think it would sell. Um, but it's it's a massive thing. 
that James Bond's wearing it, and and you can't you can't underestimate how much it will elevate uh, the number of people who want who want to buy that watch. I mean, it will be immense. It really will. So yeah, I, it would sell well enough in its own right, but I think with James Bond behind it, it's just going to be epic. Yeah, potentially it's time to buy a new watch. No time to buy. <laughs> time to buy another one. Yeah, yeah, indeed, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think, look, I think, I think this that sums up the the James Bond. Well, it, there's so much can be discussed around what he wears and his watches and what they mean. Um, I'm pretty sure that Amiga spend quite a lot of money on on that franchise, and um, it's incredibly important to them. But that doesn't always mean that it's going to work for a brand I mean there's no guarantees there's got to be a winning formula and it's not just about the money that the brand spends Mm -hmm. on the film and the I suppose the production there's got to be quite a few different elements and nobody really knows what that is otherwise everyone will be doing it they'd find the money from somewhere to get that winning formula so I think the Kingsman the Colin Firth character in there he, he says to the to the younger guy I think he says something along the lines you can tell a lot about a man by his shoes and his watch so I think watches are uh, you know are, are are, are relevant to the character of a man, certainly in films. Well, I, th- I absolutely. Um, I think that was going to be something that we wanted to cover. Actually, the product placement watches don't can, but don't exclusively give an indication of a person wearing the watch. So, if nothing else, if, if whether it's price point, whether it's the style, some people want to go against the grain. Some people want to wear something that you can't get hold of, and purely because of the demand, so incredibly high. So. I th- yeah, I think I think Colin Firth was absolutely right yeah. in uh, yeah. um, uh, in that. But um, and I don't see that this endorsement and product placement is going to go away anytime soon. No. Um, so I can't wait for to see the results of the Amiga watch and the film and the film. Yeah. yeah. What you're looking forward to more than watch or the film? Well, I, I think we're fairly confident the watch is going to be going to be great. Uh, the film, I think it's going to be a great film. Excellent. Thank you. So in summary, we've covered off quite a few different price points of watches. You've given us some really good examples of watches that are quite accessible at price point. So mm-hmm. starting at just under £400 for the Seiko, all the way up to Audemars Piquet's. You've referenced, um, and we've got some absolute icons and watches that you just can't get enough of because depending on, 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 on who's wearing it and which franchise it's part of. So it's been really interesting to talk through that and get your feedback on it. Do you think it's going to be part of our industry for quite a long time? I mean, you think about most a lot of the watches we, we we've we've discussed, um, even in the films that are sort of twenty, thirty years old. Um, those watches are available today in a, in an updated form. But the Submariner is still the Submariner. The GMT is still the is, is still the GMT. The Seiko watches are very 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 approximately are available available today. The Reverso has been around since 1931, so um, I think um, I think we're, we're as, as long as there are films, there'll be watches in films. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you for your time, Mark. I'm now going to put my American Psycho watch back on, which means you're probably safe. Um, really enjoyed talking to you about watches in films. Thank you for listening. We do hope you enjoyed this podcast. You can subscribe to us for free on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. And to discover more exclusive interviews, watch news and latest trends, 